And this is probably sound, sound weird, but I think having cancer is harder on your family and friends than it is on yourself. But what does richer, deeper love, how is it different than Norm? <laughs> it almost feels like, for Kieran and myself, it's almost like we're, we're one person sharing, wow. sharing life together, you know? It's, it's, it's really deep. It's quite hard to explain, but, you know, we, we're just so connected. Mate, you're blowing my mind. What do you want to say to those who are yet to experience such a kind? What do you say to people? I'd say just about think about your life and think about what's important to you, to you in your life. So for me, it's it's my it's my partner, it's my family, it's my friends, and you know what? Work. I'm I'm good at what I do, but work is so far down my list. It's not funny because that doesn't make me happy. It's about living with my friends and family and having good experiences in life. And that's what's important. So it's about ranking, like looking at your life and seeing what's important and doing those things. Hey, you've just joined A Journey with Bernie. Greetings, my dear friends, and thank you so much for joining me and today's wonderful guest. My name is Bernie Kelly, and I'm your very enthusiastic show host. Why? Because I woke up this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm still breathing. I've been expressing my joy for life as a corporate leadership and team building coach for 30 years now. But I've also loved working in the schools, guiding students and our young ones, just to open up their eyes to see more, to do more, to be more. I'm an explorer who wants to take you and them to the summit of Kilimanjaro. Hey, how about the base of Mount Everest or the intrigue of the Peruvian Machu Picchu or that epic spiritual adventure across northern Spain, the Camino? Yes, I'm a lover of nature and I am a consumer of life and that's why this podcast exists. You see, it's a simple exploration of what you and I need to do to find greater love for self, to inspire our own sustainable inner happiness, and to discover greater meaning in our humble lives. Of course, I don't have the answers, but that's why each week you and I will explore the life purpose and the perspectives and paradigms of our wonderful podcast guests who will share with us their strategies their thoughts, their actions that just might bring greater meaning to our lives. Hey, we're all on this journey, folks. So today, let's together put on our hat of curiosity and explore life's possibilities. And let's do it together on this episode of A Journey with Bernie.
Dear guests, I'm so grateful for you joining yet another episode of A Journey with Bernie. It's been so much fun over these last five weeks uh, interviewing my guests and having this uh, wonderful experience. And may I share with you, I'm learning so much and I'm so grateful uh, for this experience. If you're new to A Journey with Bernie, can I give a special welcome to you? Please share it with your your other friends and your other mates because uh, there's plenty to learn uh, through these uh, these episodes of A Journey with Bernie. And I have a feeling that today's podcast is going to be a little extra special. Just consider this. Who do you know would say these words? Uh, this might sound crazy, but I actually think cancer has changed my life for the better. I feel like I've become a better person for having been through this. I now so appreciate every moment, every single day, so much more. Well, I'll tell you who said that. Joel Staten. He's our special guest today. Joel's been fighting his personal cancer battle now for six years. He found out at 31. He's aged 37 now. He was and still is a bit of an athlete. In fact, he was preparing for the New Zealand Ironman when he noticed a little bit of blood in his urine, but he dismissed it as a side effect of a 30-kilometre training run. Doesn't that tell you a little bit about the lad? Who runs 30Ks? Joel State does. When finally Joel inquired of his health, radiology and oncology gave him a message that he didn't want to hear. Even more so, when he found out that he had a type of kidney cancer called collecting duct carcinoma. And guess what, folks? It only impacts 50 to 60 people upon the planet each year. Understandably, Joel's kidney has been removed. Um, And when it was, he had a dire life expectancy. Further setbacks have come in 2017 and again in 2018, when on his 33rd birthday... 27th of February, Joel, I'm sorry we missed it. Joel had to have 6.5 litres of fluid drained from his abdomen. It's a sign that cancer was winning. His tumours were getting worse. He's taken on a second immunotherapy drug. I struggled with that word. And it's turning the tide, folks. When he went on it, he probably had less than 12 months to live. But now I can let you know that his tumours have reduced by 40%. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a fighter um, in this episode today, and his name is Joel State. Joel, welcome aboard. Really great to have you here on a journey with Bernie. Thanks, Bernie. Thanks for having me. Mate, how are you travelling these days? I mean, this is a heck of a journey. Are you... Are you feeling on top of it or are you neutral? Give us give us the update. No, I feel really good, you know. It's um I'm actually on to a third lot of treatment now. Um which the immunotherapy it, it, it completely made it go away. Wow. Uh but 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 it came back again and so I'm on, on another trial drug now and so um and it's it's working well too. So I feel really positive about that and feel like that's just just, just the, the journey I'm on and, and I do little bits here and there and It'll, it'll keep getting better. When you say a trial drug, are, are you like the guinea pig for it? Are you saying that you're accepting these medical opportunities in the hope? Yeah, effectively. Like, as you mentioned in your, in your intro there, um, it's really rare the type I've got. 
And so most normal cancers, uh, there's a certain protocol that they will use um, to, to treat those. They might say, you've got this type of cancer. Right. And so we'll treat you with this, 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 and this. But for me, there was, oh, we don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the only option is is to use these different trial drugs and, and hope they're going to work, basically. And and how do you feel about being the experimented? <laughs> like, there's no sort of guarantee, is there? And yet you you must have a great deal of hope. Yeah, well, the, the first one I was on, so that was in 2018 when it got really bad, the, the first lot of immunotherapy. And initially, I didn't I didn't realise how sick I was, so I wasn't that keen to take it because I thought I don't want all these side of, potential side effects if I don't have to. Yeah. But then it sort of became a, a a thing where there wasn't an option. It was it was have that or die. So yeah. you know it, it, it sharpens your focus pretty quick, and you realise sure. no, I'll, I've got to have this. You know. Yeah. I want to ask a question around hope. I'm not quite sure what the what the question is. Um, how does how does hope work in a situation like this? Um, how does it energise you? What does it do? What does hope do for you? Oh, that's an interesting question. Hope is there's so much built into that for me. You know, it 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 having cancer is is a it's a it's it's something that makes you think about death on a very frequent basis. Wow. And so the hope is hoping you're going to live, hoping you're going to you're going to grow old, you're going to you know be able to yeah. spend more time with your loved ones and do trips overseas and all the things you want to do in your life. It's you think about those things and, and the things you might miss out and, and hope. Hope is so important because it it gives you something to live for. Wow, wow, fascinating! You you just mentioned or you inferred then that that death is something that you're aware of on a regular basis. Mm. It's almost as if you wake up each day and there it is tapping you on the shoulder. Is it like that? Are you that oh, aware of it? But not, not currently. Early on I was yeah. when I first got diagnosed. Um, I still didn't really think it was going to be that serious, you know. Like they told me that they that they didn't know much about it, but if they removed, they removed my kidney and they could find no more in my system. And so I just assumed that was going to be it. But even just knowing you've got cancer, you, it's almost like your, your mind is always thinking about something that might be growing inside you. Wow. And then you also always think about death. So, you know, I'll, I'll go to sleep thinking about it. I'll wow. think about it at random times during the day. You, you know, you watch a TV show or a movie and someone's dying of an illness or something like that. And it, it brings you back to that, to that, to that moment. And then being told you might only have twelve months to live makes that even worse. But but now I, I've I've kind of I think just because it's been long enough, I've wrapped my head around enough, and I've thought about death more than some of my age probably should. Um, and, and now I don't treat cancer like a like like it's going to kill me. I treat it like maybe it's like a chronic disease, like diabetes or or something like that that just needs a little bit of regular treatment, and and hopefully that'll that'll just keep me on my journey. So in a way, you're so aware of life that death tapping you on the shoulder or you being aware of it is probably a better phrase, mm. has sort of like made you more focus on on living. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's 
to me, that's what I think about now is living all the things I want to do, all the, all the people I want to spend time with. It's death doesn't, you know, enter my thoughts too many times these days, even though that threat is still there for sure. Even though you're more aware of it than, than most others. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. You know? Like it's, it's anyone could, you know, anything can happen to anyone. You look at Shane Warne's a perfect example, 52, yeah. uh, you know, just, yeah. just drops dead. And there's, there's been quite a few stories lately. You could, someone could get hit by a car. You know, any any one of us could be, without even knowing it, could be close to death. But but I think I'm pretty lucky that, I, that I've, that i you know, known about it and it hasn't killed me. Yeah. And so I can try and live my life the way I want to live it. Yeah, it's all about perspective, isn't it? Because it's the one impermanent thing that's 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 certainly going to strike us all, you know, at, at, at some stage. It's yeah. the one certainty. It's just that the young, the bold, and the beautiful <laughs> aren't, aren't aren't so aware of it on a daily basis like you are. And yeah. yet, for you, it's almost the trigger to appreciate life more. Oh, hundred percent. It it every day, you know. Oh. I'm, I'm human and every day you have, you know, you go through days where they're good and bad and you get, you get, you get annoyed at things and, and that sort of stuff. But, but more often than not, I, I try and live for that day and that moment and, and whatever mm. I'm doing at the time. And, and I, I think of things I want to do and, and I do them and I think of people I want to spend time with and I do that. And yeah, it's, it's a real gift I've been given, I think. Wow. That's an amazing phrase. It's a real gift. I've been given. <laughs> was there any sign of this to come? I mean, when you were growing up as a as a young lad, and and uh, give us a description of your childhood, and you know what was what was growing up with the family like as a as a young boy. Oh, I had a really good childhood actually. My family were, were very close. We spent, you know, I was born in Mount Isa, and we spent, um, you know, through through end of primary school, start of high school, and in growing up in Mount Isa as well, and. Um, so, you know, just, we were a very sport mode family every afternoon, me and my, me and my two brothers would be in the backyard, either playing cricket or footy or yeah. having swimming races in the pool or, yeah. you know, in amongst the, you know, organized sport we do as well. And, and, uh, we, you know, when we went to that, we'd be watching sport or we'd be, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. So it was a very good childhood. We, um, had very loving parents and, you know, they, they, uh, we, you know, we weren't, we weren't rich or anything like that. And mum and dad worked hard. They were both shift workers and, yeah. and they had to sacrifice a lot too. You know, they sacrificed spending time with them, with each other yeah. to try and coordinate their shifts so that they're always there for, for us, us three boys. And yeah. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was such a, such a good childhood, you know. Are they still with you today? They are, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're still around. A funny question. Joel, how, how do they feel about what you're going through? Like, like what's their experience of? Of this, your journey. This is probably sound sound weird, but I think having cancer is harder on your family and friends than it is on yourself. Wow. Because I, going back to like we were talking about before death, I can think about that and I think, you know what, I've I've achieved a fair bit in my thirty seven <laughs> years so far. I feel like I've done a lot and I've seen a lot and if that was it, well, you know, that's it and that's that's okay. I can I'm happy with what I've achieved in life so far. Don't get me wrong. I want to live and I want to see and do so much more. Yeah. But, but it's the thought of leaving those people behind and them missing you. And, and, and that's, that's the hardest part about it is the thought of others and not yourself. Yeah. And so because my family is so close, that's, that's the, been the hardest part is that seeing them pretty upset by it and, and not being able to control the situation, you know, that's, mm. that's, that's pretty hard when, when you are so close. Yeah. 
Mate, you're intriguing me so much with, <laughs> with what you're saying. What I'm actually hearing is that your experience makes you even more aware of the preciousness of life, mm. whereas those around you are almost scared that death's going to take you away. It's like they're focused on the death yeah. more than you are. Oh, yeah. you know, you've got to tap it on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so many people I've talked to, people I've worked with, as you know, as they get older, they're worried about that, but instead they forget to live in the process. Wow. Um, so there was no signals growing up. You, you had no, you were really healthy young no, lad. We, you know, we we grew up. We always ate healthy as a family. Yeah. You know, even since leaving home, I've, I continue to eat healthy. I, you know, I do triathlons, I do cycling, and all sorts of things like that. And I try to eat and and live as healthy as possible. You know, I don't drink too much. I, I've never smoked. I've never done drugs. And Amazing. you know, it, it's it's. Um, I remember when I when I got diagnosed and the doctors kept asking me, you know, have you done this? Have you been exposed to chemicals? Have yeah. you done that sort of thing? And and no, there's no to all those answers, all those questions, basically. Yeah. Um, and I actually mapped my genetic code one of the one of the doctors, and I'm not sure if I got the terminology right, but they basically worked out that there was um, about four different lines in my genetic code that had gone wrong, and they they can't work out why. It's just it's just one of those things that happen to some people. Um, and, and funnily enough, those things that went wrong suggested I probably should have had leukemia and not the type of cancer I That's have. That's amazing. So there's so much more the docs don't know yeah. about it. Um, yeah. But you're saying that Western medicine, the doctors, are able to go through a system or a process through what you call genetic code that can actually diagnose the chances of you picking up this current condition? Yeah, I think so. I think they could. Like, it's, I think it's a it's a bit of a process, and it's very costly yeah. from what I'm from what I'm aware of. To you know, if they went and did that for every single person in the world, that'd be pretty tricky sure. and, and, and very costly. Yeah. Um, but they chose to do it in order to try and find new treatments for me because there wasn't wasn't anything out there. Yeah. Um, they tried to do that to see if there was any any treatments out there that might target those specific genetic code coding issues. Um, and and there actually are treatments out there. They're just mm. in very early stages and so there's not they're not ready for me yet. But that could be a, a something that, that happens later on down the track. And I'm assuming this is because the condition itself is so rare. I mean, fifty to sixty globally. Yeah. I mean, you're you're in a unique, <laughs> a unique package there. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. one time when you don't want to be unique or special. Yeah. You know, you'd you'd happily have a run of the mill cancer, which is again sounds weird to say that you'd you'd happily have a, a run of the mill cancer, but having a rare type, yeah. it just comes with a lot of complication. So there is nothing to signal it. Nope. But there was a day in which theoretically it all started. You know, yeah. there it is, the day before, you've run thirty kilometers as a preparation for the New Zealand triathlon. Yeah. By the way, there are many different type of triathlons. Mm. Is this the big one? Is this the This is the Ironman, the three point eight K swim, hundred and eighty K ride and the and the marathon and forty two K run. Oh man, finishes. that's another story. <laughs> so you had a thirty K run the day before. Yeah. And then somehow you had an experience the day before and you looked down into the bowl. Yeah. And there's blood in the urine. Take us through that moment. What did you, no, not so much what did you see, but what did you experience and how did you react? So, yeah, like you said, I woke up, woke up the day after doing that training run and, and went to the toilet first thing like, like most people do. Yeah. And uh, it, 
it was pretty confronting, really, because it's not like it was tinged red. It was, without being too graphic, it was yeah. like just blood. You know, that's right. what it looked like. Wow. It was dark red and... and wow. And um, it's very confronting. It, it, it's, yeah, you, you wonder what's wrong with you. Yeah. So the first thing I did was do a little bit of a, a Google and, and see what that might mean. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's most most things I've read said, go and see your doctor. Like, that's not a normal thing and it's not a good thing. Yeah. But I did find something that said it can happen to long-distance runners. Right. If they run on an empty bladder, the walls of your bladder could rub together and create a bit right. of blood. And I thought, surely oh, it's that one. Yeah. So I actually... Yeah, although it was confronting, I didn't think too much more about it. I thought oh, it'll be a it'll be a one off thing. I'll get back into my training and I'll be I'll be fine, you know. Yeah, yeah. And did it continue? Did did it, it persist over a number of days? Then, or, like how many days did it take before you said I better go and see the doctor? Oh, a little while actually. So it happened that day, and then it, it come good again. Mm. Um, and it was about six weeks out from the race, I think. And I didn't want to raise it. I wasn't too concerned. I didn't want to raise it too much because I'd, I'd spent so much effort training for this race. Mm. And um, so I buried my head in the sand a little bit, as a lot of Aussie males tend to do. Yeah. And um, it happened a few more times. It probably happened another, you know, five, six, seven, eight times before the race itself. Yeah. But I just thought, I reckon it's just maybe it's a little nick in my bladder, something something innocuous like that, and, and um, I'll get through the race and then I'll just stop training, yeah. have a good rest, and I'll, it'll just heal itself, you know. Mm. So that's what I was aiming for, and I, I got through the race. I didn't have the best day, but I still got through it, and um, and it did come good for 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 a few weeks. Mm. But then it just started again out of nowhere, and I thought, yeah. okay, time to go and get. So up. during all this time, you were feeling quite okay. Yeah, I was. Yeah. You know, apart from the race day itself, I was feeling a bit nauseous, and and yeah. and, and I wasn't feeling great. But but apart from that, yeah. you know, it, it um. Yeah, I wasn't feeling too bad. Nothing that would suggest that, that I had anything wrong with me, you know. So you completed the Ironman, mm. the full Ironman. Yeah. The massive Ironman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with theoretically this condition yeah. is alive. It's 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 starting to yeah. take I, hold. I actually think that maybe doing that intense training for the Ironman might have brought the symptoms. This is only my own thoughts. Yeah. But it might have brought those symptoms on a little bit sooner than than it would have otherwise. Yeah. In which case it got discovered sooner than it would have. Wow. So I, I actually think doing that training in the Ironman might have helped save my life a little yeah. bit in a way. Yeah. I think instinct is a powerful thing. Mm. So it's uh, it, it, it's it's probably worth listening to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And maybe it was a uh, um, a great support for you. So here you are, you've done the New Zealand Ironman. Yep. X amount of weeks later, you have visited the doctors yep. and you've been to radiology and you, yep. the oncologist has told you the, the poor news. What were your first thoughts? How did you react and respond to what would I assume? Did you feel it was a death sentence? Did you yeah. feel? Yeah, I did actually. Like yeah. it, it's pretty, it's devastating finding yeah. out you have cancer. Especially being young and healthy and fit, you, you, you kind of think you're immune to things like that. You're 31 at this age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's really hard to get your head around. Everyone around you is sad, so you think, oh, it must be really bad. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, for at least a few weeks, I was I was pretty pretty shaken by it, that's for sure. Yeah. So take us through, let's say, the next six months to a year. I'm, I'm picking that time frame as a time frame in which you respond to this graphic news. Mm. So I suppose what? the first few weeks is, 
you're sort of just numb, you know, you don't know what to do or, or it's it's a really confronting feeling to, to think that you might die. You know, you think of all, you extrapolate, every thought into the to the worst the worst moments you know like things you're not going to get to do again or or people you're not going to get to see again or things like that and um it's pretty pretty hard you know you often death is on your mind a lot yeah but um then i had a had a scan after the either op- operation to have my kidney removed and i had a scan afterwards to show there was nothing left and i actually just thought oh i've dodged a bullet here that's that's all right <laughs> and i did follow-up scans every three months or so and they kept coming back clear for that 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 first year and i thought oh you know i i was grateful that i that i dodged this bullet but it probably didn't the enormity of it probably didn't sink in because i i kind of skated through yeah and then about about nearly a year after i had my kidney removed it they found it came back again so i had to have another operation to get rid of a whole heap of lymph nodes and I remember being quite positive about that because I thought at least they've got a plan. You know, they're going to cut me open. They're going to take all these lymph nodes out. They should get rid of anything that's yeah. left, you know. And, and, again, I'll be on my way. But I think by that stage I was I, – I, I realised that positivity was, was, a, was a way I wanted to tackle this, you know, um, being positive about it, having a good attitude and not letting it get me down. I, I don't know why. It, just, it was just instincts that, that, that made me want to treat it that way and – some days, and I was genuinely positive about it. It wasn't. A, it wasn't an emotion that I just put on. Um, but some days you've got to work on it more than others. That's for sure. sure. Mm. But at some stage, what I'm hearing is you, you, you decided to be proactive and and start to attack it. Yeah, you, that's right. You take it on yourself. That's yep. what I hear when you use the words being positive. What, what does that actually mean? How how do you become proactive and um, take it on and fight it? So one of the one of the things I find being being around cancer wards in hospitals, you know, pretty regularly for the last six years, is that there's almost feels like among some people there's a sense that oh that's it I'm I'm gone nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And I didn't want to be like that. I, I want to, life is so important to me. I want, there's so much things I want to do and, and um, I didn't just want to sit back and, and let that happen. So I thought, no, I just had the really, really pig-headed attitude that this isn't going to get me. I don't care what the doctors say. Wow. I'm just going to, I'm going to live my life yeah. and I'm going to, I'm going to get through this. And so I, I, didn't want to stop, let me stop me doing any things I wanted to do. You know, I still wanted to do, I still did triathlons. I still did big bike rides. I did swimming races. Um, I went on overseas holidays. There's, 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 I, I tried to live my life as best I could. I barely missed many days of work at all through, apart from recovering from surgery. Apart from that, I barely missed a day of work because I just wanted to live life and, 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 and get involved in everything I could. And, um, and yeah, I suppose that's what I mean by being positive. Is that is is not leaning, not succumbing to it. I suppose yeah. living living for things. Yeah. Does it make you wonder? Because you you made reference to those that you saw, who seemed to have just accepted it and were waiting for the cancer to win, mm. and yet you're in a similar position. I assume mm. you've you've got a different response to it. Does it make you? Did it make you wonder? Why some people respond one way and others respond the other? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I really think that that your body has the ability to heal itself. If if you 
presented with the right conditions, you know, like in my case, because of the genetic side of the way it started, it wasn't an environmental factor or a man-made thing that started. It was my body that created this cancer. And so I'm of the belief that my body then has the ability to heal that if if I set it up in the right way, if I try and be healthy and, and exercise and eat eat the right things and and um and have good mental health, you know, like be positive and, and um treat people well and, and, and surround myself with the right people too because I have this sense that we're all connected in this world and and a lot of positive energy coming your way is going to help in that healing process too. Does that mean you became selective in, in terms of the people that you chose as closest friends, um, yep. uh, people that you hung around? Yeah. I think so, yeah. It probably wasn't as, as conscious as that, but yeah. you probably drift away from people who weren't who you weren't feeling were, were feeding that positivity. Weren't energising you. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Yep. How did your diet change? Um, I tried tried going vegan for a little while. I, I saw a documentary about how um, they've done studies where vegan diet can uh, – can help shrink tumors. And another yeah. time I, I, that I tried it, I, there was no cancer that, at that stage that I knew of. But I thought, well, it might stop anything coming back. So I went vegan for about four or five months, yeah. and, and then it did come back. And I thought, stuff it, I'm going to go have a steak. <laughs> <laughs> and so I haven't been vegan since, but I, I do no. eat. I'd say I eat probably ninety yeah. yeah. percent plant based. You yeah. know, because I think I think that's that's going to set your body up in the right yeah. way. Um, I try not. I don't drink much alcohol at all. I might have one or two beers once a week or something like that. But what about it. prior to this condition? Did you enjoy a few beers with the mates? And, oh, for uh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've you, you've made a choice to cut that back. Um, yeah, I think so. I think my body's made a choice too. It just doesn't like having too many beers. So it um, and that might just be part of the whole thing. Knowing my body, knowing what it does and doesn't want. You know, yeah, you're almost suggesting that your body speaks to you rather than you speak to your body. Is there something in that? Oh, it's probably, yeah, maybe it goes both ways. I speak to it, it speaks to me, I think, maybe, yeah. <laughs> and are you vegan now or are you predominantly no, I'd vegan? Say, oh, I'd say maybe 90%. Yeah? Yeah, it's plant-based. I well, still that's... still like a good spaghetti bolognese and, yeah. you know, some nice cheese. But, yeah. but um, yeah, generally I'd say like most days I, I, yeah. I, I don't eat, eat, eat many meat or animal products at all really. And I, I think that's... You know, the, the the research I've done is is you know you don't have to be fully vegan, but I think you know like a like a good percentage is, is certainly going to set you up in in a mm, lot better state. Mm, yeah, I'm uh, with apologies to well, he's not my good friend, but I I wish he was. That's Simon Hill and the Power of Plant podcast. I keep on he- hearing him suggest that if we're eighty percent there. Eating plant-based foods, then then eighty percent is uh, is certainly going to add. Tremendous value. Oh, good. Um, I'll at least I did, and that's all right. <laughs> Would you agree with that, by the way? I'm not asking you to support Simon for the sake of it. Um, no, but do yeah, you, does I, that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, there's a lot of. Um, Inflammation in your body is caused by by some animal animal products, fats and yeah. things in in meat and, and stuff like that. And, and so the, the the more you can limit those things, um, it's got to help your body heal in in the long run. And, and you know my body's got a lot of healing to do still. And, and I want to make sure it's it's working in the best condition it can. Do you eat three meals a day? Do you, yep. Has that been a response to cut back on the amount that you eat? Or um, you still look very healthy, Joel. Yeah, I. I I probably don't change how much I eat too much. I just probably a bit more selective in what I do eat. Right, okay. Yeah. And is that easy or is that a discipline? Uh, 
It's a bit of both. I think it's discipline to a point, and then you get in, like most things, you form a habit, and and your body, if you, if, you, if you, your body craves craves those um, plant based yeah. options, if you if you're used to eating them, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you made reference before to um, uh, that the body speaks to you, and you speak to the body. Has your attitude towards the capacity of your body? Um, the ability of the body to, um, you know, handle and cope and respond. What is your attitude towards the body? Ah, oh, my body. I'm, I'm actually in a bit in awe of my body. <laughs> what is, what it's been through and had thrown at it, and still allows me to do. You know, like last weekend, I rode 110 k's up to Redcliffe and back, and wow. not a problem. And you know, to be able to still do things like that, I'm doing a five-day charity ride in a couple of weeks' time up to yeah. North Queensland. And it's it's the fact that my body lets me do those things still yeah. after everything it's been through is, yeah. is, is amazing. Well, turn this into an advertisement right now, but you're <laughs> running for riding for Smitty's. Yeah, smiling when, for Smitty. When's that on? Tell, tell us all about that organisation because I know it's dear to you. Mm, yeah. So smiling for Smitty started in 2006, I think it was, and um, a young guy who's 26 years old, Adam Smitty was his name, he was a really good, uh, good young triathlete, and um, he passed away very quickly from a melanoma. And so his um, good friend and triathlon coach, him and, and a couple of mates, they decided that they were going to do a credit card ride. So just just riding with a credit card in the back pocket from Brisbane up to up to where Adam come from in Townsville. Mm. And it started the charity. They raised money along the way and visited, visited kids in schools about sun safety and things like that. And it started this charity. And so every year they decided to replicate that ride and it got bigger and more people involved. And um, now they do a lot of other different events than just that one ride. They do Noosa Triathlon every year. They do this. Um, they do a, a shorter five-day ride in earlier in the year every year. So that's the one I'm doing in um, this latest month. Yeah. Um, and, and they raised so far since 2006, I think it's over $13 million they've raised for cancer research. That's which is incredible. Which is huge. So for That's me, incredible. it feels like I'm raising money for my own health too, because <laughs> those treatments they're coming up with might help me in the future. Yeah, true, 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 true. Mm. That's great news, mate. And great news that you're involved in such a, uh, a wonderful organization, which many of us have heard of before. It's, um, it's certainly not a silent one. It's a, mm. a wonderful. Wonderful organisation. Um, you've taken matters into your own hand, not only through dietary and uh, the foods that you eat. And there are other ways that you've acknowledged the the value of Western medicine, but you've also decided that there are other treatments or other things that can contribute to your your coping mm. um, and and responding. Elaborate on those for us. So as you, as you alluded to, you know, Western medicine's great. You know, I wouldn't be here without some of the treatments that I've received. But I don't feel like it's the full picture either. It's, I feel like it's it's one avenue in in terms of a whole the whole holistic approach. And um, I've tried to to you know put other other practices in place too to try and help me. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard. No one can tell how much one thing works over another, but I think as a whole, they seem to be working. So there's, there's something going right there. Yeah. Um, so I've tried, I, I did a lot of, especially when I was really crook, when I was really sick and they sort of were telling me I had, you know, less than 12 months to live if I couldn't turn it around. You, you know, at that point, you're going to try anything, aren't you? You know, that's, that's, it doesn't matter what, what you're going to try anything and what sticks, sticks. And so, um, I heard a lot about CBD 
CBD oil and CBD paste, wow. yeah. which is a which is a, a basically cannabis that's that's been put into paste form. Yeah, um, it's not it's not psychoactive, so it doesn't have the um, the THC component that makes yeah. you makes you high. But it um, it's meant to have a lot of a lot of benefits. So um, so I've used that used that pretty frequently during the time, and it's it's again it's hard to tell the benefits, but it certainly doesn't hurt me, and it can only be good for me. I think being being a being a plant, you know, that's healing me. And you felt the benefits of yeah, that, absolutely. otherwise you wouldn't be with it absolutely yeah you know, exactly right you know yeah. it's not as if you're speaking about a secret i mean no you know, that's that's been well podcasted yeah. and broadcasted yep. uh, previously too yep i've yeah. had doctors tell me about that as well, well. <laughs> you know so it can't be it can't be a secret to even to, to western medicine yeah. you know so yeah um the other thing i do a lot is is, is meditate and, and and just the mindfulness practice i think is really important as well just to just to put your your head in the right space i think if your head's in the right space then your body's going to have an easier time healing mm. meditate mindfulness head in the right space mm. Explain what that actually means. If someone says to you, "What is meditation? Yeah. What's your definition of meditation?" Oh, meditation is one of those things that a lot of people probably, you know, they hear it and they think it's some woo-woo, you know, sort of thing that is hard to grapple. But, but for me, it's just about um, trying to clear clear all the all the thoughts from your head. Not removing thoughts from your head is impossible. They're always going to be there, but it's 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 trying to recognise when they are happening. Um, so, for instance, my meditation practice is all about breathing. It's just about following wow. the breath, trying to concentrate on nothing but the breath. Wow. And I just do that. I only do that for, you know, 10 minutes at a time. Um, and it, it, you just have this this sense at the end of, of that 10 minutes of, 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 of lightness, of, of a, you know, almost just brings a smile to your face without even trying. Um, makes you feel very calm and and um, yeah, just 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 your, your mind is quiet for want of a better word. It's amazing. Mm. Um, I've heard people refer to that space that you're talking about, that space of quietness mm. uh, and peace. And um, some have referred to it as their connection or their experience of <clears throat> the God within. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, something that's got a greater presence than self. It's, it, it's part of our connectedness yep. to something greater. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I was, I've, I've never been a religious person, and I probably wasn't even spiritual until going through this whole practice. But I do feel like there's something greater than us out here. You know, whether it's an energy, I, I think of it as like an energy or Mother Nature or. Or whatever, and we're all connected. Every living being out there is is connected in a way. And quieting your mind just allows you to get out of your own way and, and see how connected we are. You know, for instance, I've got a couple of dogs, and if, if I've been meditating, and, and and so for mindfulness for me is is just being very present in what's going on around you. And what meditation is just is a vehicle to get you to being mindful, basically. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed with my dogs when I take them for a walk, if I'm being very mindful. I notice every bird. I notice every, you know, every uh, lizard running across the ground. I notice flowers opening up. And it's it's because you're not thinking about all these other things. You're not worrying about the things that have gone in the past. You're not anxious about what's coming in the future. You're just in that moment. And for me, that means I'm not going to worry about dying. I'm not worrying about, you know, the, the, the surgeries I've had in the past or anything like that. All I'm worried about is enjoying that moment out of nature and being connected to to, to the rest, the rest of the world. How incredible! Mm. Just wonderful description <laughs> of the of the benefit. Um, are there other evidences 
I the other the evidence. <laughs> I use the word evidence yeah. because you're alluding to a presence greater than than self through mm. meditation. It, fascinatingly, you said that it has arisen for you through the journey of your illness. Mm. I'm not trying to catch you out, but what are your evidences of that existence? Yeah, I suppose it's, it's I don't have any evidence, but I, I, I get better, you know. I've had periods wow. where I've where I've gotten sick and then I've gotten better again. And, yeah, I've done used Western medicines to do that. But I feel like my body's done a lot of that itself too. And, you know, I've even got to practice sometimes when I'm meditating, I use visualisation and uh, and I imagine my tumor, I can picture in my mind, and I imagine these little piranhas inside my body just chewing away at that at that tumor. And I feel like that's even even visualization. You know, like sports people visualize how they're going to, you know, enact a certain play or, or or whatever on the sports field. And so I'm just sort of visualizing what my body's going to do. It's going to fight and get rid of that tumor. And also, you know, my my amazing partner Kieran, she she meditates as well, and 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 you know, she she tells me about sending thoughts my way while she's meditating. I I I can just about feel that, you know, it's almost like a warmness comes over me, and and I feel like that people just having positive thoughts about me out there, whether they're meditating, whatever they want to call it, just having positive thoughts is is because we are all connected. That all comes back to you in in a good way, I think. And you feel that? I I believe I feel that, yeah. Prior to this journey, mm. you would have had loved ones. Yep. And you would feel a love, a connection with them. But I think you just said <laughs> that now, as a result of this journey and the experience that other people are sharing with you in this journey, like Kieran and, and, and yourself, meditating, are you saying that you're more sensitive and you can actually feel their energies even more than you could prior? Yeah, I probably wouldn't have put any thought into it prior, to be honest, you know. <gasps> For me, you know, the, the relationship I had with Kieran, you know, I, only met, I only met her about, you know, two and a half years ago. Yeah. And before that, you know, like I would never even thought about this stuff, but but, but my relationship with her is is so deep and, and, and we're just so connected that it, it feels like, you know, she's – Help helping me to heal as as much as anything else, you know. Are you are you are you suggesting that your your the way that you see love, feel love, experience love is different? Yeah, absolutely. Even with my even with my my parents and my brothers, and it's it's different because because you don't take anything for granted. Having been through what I've been through, you never. You know, I probably would have taken lots of relationships for granted previously. I tried, I've always tried to be a good person, but you, you, you can take things for granted so easily. And now I try not to. I try to be there for those people that I love in my life. And, um, and you just get so much more out of life by doing that. I don't know why I'm, I'm trying to um, ask this question. Can you describe the difference? I'm talking about the fabric of it, the molecules of love. I, I, I don't even know what I'm asking here, but how is it different? It's richer, it's deeper, but what does richer, deeper love, how is it different than <laughs> norm? It almost feels like, for Kieran and myself, it's almost like we're, we're one person sharing wow. sharing life together, you know. It's, it's, it's really deep. It's quite hard to explain, but... You know, we, we're just so connected. Mate, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
like what a what a beautiful experience mm. of the richness of life and yet it's being stimulated and inspired by this journey but of course in the back of my mind i'm asking why does does every human being need to have this pain and chaos and suffering that you're going through in order to appreciate that this is the value of life? I don't think so. Like it's it's um it's worked for me. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it though. Yeah. But I, I think if people are just aware that that the death could be here, you know, not not to scare people, but just to live their life like 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 today's the only day that matters. Just live live that live your life in that way. Then you know, then, then you're going to have these same benefits too that that I feel. Yeah, it's like that. Um, it's like that phrase is you, you, you got to live it in the moment. Um, you know, be aware that you know, it could be taken away from you today, and 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 therefore make sure that today is a maximised day. Absolutely. I didn't even do the quote justice. I forgot what it was <laughs> halfway through it, but I know what we're talking about here. <laughs> Hey, um, you know, it was you who said it might sound crazy, but you actually think cancer has changed your life for the better. Yep. Elaborate on that as we start to approach the end of of our wonderful time together, Joel. Mm. But just elaborate on that. How how can how do you embrace it? How can you how can you almost enjoy the journey when in fact it's threatening you. Ah, oh, because because life is all about the journey. It's not about. There's no destination. It's it's what you're doing right here, right now. That's the only thing that matters in life. And by going through what I've been through, it's just sharpened my focus to realise that what I'm doing in that moment is the only thing that matters. And if I if I put all of my energy into that moment, whoever I'm with at the time, whatever I'm doing, then I'm I'm just I'm just you know getting every last bit out of life. And before I wouldn't have done that, I would have just, uh, you know, mindlessly gone through and, and sleepwalked through life a bit like a lot of people tend to do, you know. So it's just about putting a, a focus and, a, and um, an importance on what you're doing in that moment. Yeah. So what would you say to those who haven't had such a bad card or a poor card mm. dealt to us? Yeah. And we have the capacity to wake up every day and approach another day of life. What do you want to say to those who are yet to experience such a card? What do you say to people? I'd say just about life? think about your life and think about what's important to you, to you in your life. So for me, it's it's my it's my partner, it's my family, it's my friends. And you know what? Work. I'm I'm good at what I do, but work is so far down my list. It's not funny yeah. because that doesn't make me happy. It's about living with my friends and family and having good experiences in life. And that's what's important. So it's about ranking, like looking at your life and seeing what's important and doing those things. Don't don't um, spend your whole life stressed and worried about things that aren't important at the end of the day. Yeah. It's almost as, act, as if you're saying, reflect, know what's important when you wake up. Absolutely. And yeah. just do What's important? If some, if an opportunity comes up to do something, do something you want to do, or you think of an option of something you want to do in life, do it. Don't don't wait because you never know what's around the corner. None of us do. Yeah. Don't wait for things to happen. Just yeah. make make your life happen the way you want it to be. 
even though your work is is down the pecking order, hmm. do you find that you're able to bring more to your work? Absolutely, absolutely. Because of my mindfulness practice, I can be totally present and, and doing what I'm doing when I'm when I do my job, and I enjoy what I do. But as soon as as soon as I leave the office and come home, that's it. I don't give it another thought until I go in the next day because yeah. then I move on to spending my time and, and my focus on other things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joel, in this journey, uh, have you developed a love for reading books, uh, listening to podcasts? Mm. If so, what are some of your favourites? Um, I've always been a big reader, but you know, I used to re- I read a lot of fiction. But, but through this process, it's 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 helped me to sort of go on a journey of finding non-fiction um, things to read as well, <laughs> especially on the topics I've talked about on mindfulness and meditation yeah. and things like that. And one of the books I really like is. Um, by a by a author called Dan Harris, and Dan's a he's a news anchor in America, yeah. and he just he just approaches um, meditation from a really layman's point of view, you know what it what it what it is and 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 how you can achieve it, and you know a lot of people think it's about getting rid of any thoughts in your mind, and it's actually not that at all, you know it's about being able to recognise when you are thinking things that you shouldn't, yeah. and then being able to just let go of that, and yeah. he talks about that really really well from a from a really simple point of view. Very good, very good. Mm-hmm. Any other books? Um, I, I really, really big fan of um, the Resilience Project books. Okay, uh, there's a couple of those, and, and just all about gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness. Yeah. Um, and again, it's approached in a really just fun way, so it's not too heavy, not mm. a heavy read. It's a good fun read, but it just makes you really think about what's important in life, really. And do you listen regularly to podcasts? I do. I'm a favourite podcaster. I'm a big Rich Roll fan. Yeah, I do have my soccer podcast, so it's a bit of a guilty pleasure. But <laughs> if I want to improve myself, I listen to Rich Roll, and he's got about a thousand episodes. But they're yeah. all they're all um, interesting. And, and all give you a different perspective on life. Can you think of any one Rich Roll episode that really stood out for you? Because I'm a Rich Roll fan too, and he's got so many that oh, just impacted me. Spot now. Yeah. I don't Remember know. Lisa, Lisa Miller and the neuroscience of spirituality, where she actually went and investigated the neural pathways yeah, in the brain. Actually, that was a very really? fascinating one. Yeah. yeah. I'm often fascinated too by some of the just the endurance athletes uh, yeah. because I come from that background yeah. and the reason they do the things they do. You yeah, know? and he interviews a lot of them. He does. Did you hear recently his podcast on mindset, which many of those endurance athletes? Yeah, I did. I did. That was that was a fascinating, fascinating episode. You know, there was a couple of lunatics in him. <laughs> yeah, you David Goggins of the world. They're they're pretty full on. They're pretty a bit full-on. different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any other educational resources? Have you done a program like a Vipassana? in a meditation retreat or you, is there anything that you've actually done that you'd recommend? Um, oh, not, not, not along those lines. Um, more just my own self, self-study, self I suppose, and mm. did, did, some, did a little online course about mindfulness and what it yeah. is and how you can develop it and, and things like that, you know, like even things like it makes you think about things like washing the dishes. To me, it's not a chore anymore because I enjoy it because it's, if you be mindful while you're doing it, it's it's any any chore can be can be a really uplifting and fun experience if you if you approach it in a mindful way. So you're almost you're almost saying there by by learning how to be mindful, you can turn any moment into greater joy. That's right. Any any moment, you know, most people, as soon as they uh, are uncomfortable, they're bored, or they want to kill some time, they pull their phone out and look at that, you know. But if you realise how wonderful the world is around us, you know, every every moment is is precious. Are you mindful of when you eat? 
Sometimes, <laughs> not as often as I probably should, but you yeah. do. You 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 enjoy the food so much more if you think about what you're having, you know. And 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 every mouthful is a joy if if you're not just just throwing it down for for for, for, for the sake of it. How fascinating! You mm. seem to have developed a, a real love and thirst for learning. Mm. Oh, absolutely! I yeah. I just read book after book, really, on on these topics. Yeah. What book are you currently reading? Um, I'm I'm just I'm I'm actually reading the second Resilience Project book, and that's yeah. sort of gone down a, a journey of of, of the uh, the faults this guy found in his life. You know, things like expectation and perfectionism and um, shame and things like that, which are really interesting to discover about yourself. Um, mm. And I'm just about to start reading a book by Johan Hari, and it's all about um, it's all about. Um, you know, social media and, and, and trying to basically disconnect from the digital world a little bit because we're all too wrapped up in that. I think he was on Rich Roll about three weeks ago. Yeah, two he or was. Three weeks he ago. was. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, how fascinating, mate. Love of learning, thirst for wisdom. Absolutely. What a great, beautiful attribute to have. <laughs> Joel, this has been a wonderful um, episode. Well, sorry, listeners, for me it's been a wonderful <laughs> episode to be on the other end of just listening to what uh, Joel has had to say. I feel that it's full of a richness and an awareness um, that is that is rare. So I thank you very, very much, Joel, for what you've given us today across so many different topics of, um, of life. Um, I don't think you are an ordinary person. <laughs> I think you're an extraordinary person that's responded in an extraordinary way um, to a, a massive calling of adversity. And I've got a feeling that your response is what makes you very, very different. As you suggested before, many can become victims to their pain and their chaos, mm, but not Joel's state. Um, he is far more aware of life um, than most are. Um, and yet death has knocked on your door and it still knocks, and yet you live and you live very, very fully. Thank you for teaching us how to live more fully through this episode of A Journey with Bernie. Thanks for having me, Bernie. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode of A Journey with Bernie. I loved it. Of course... The contact and connection details of our special guest and any references to resource material, books or educational sources can be found in the podcast notes. Do go there, folks. Our guests would so welcome hearing from you. Now, for those of you who have previously rung me about joining our forthcoming adventures to Nepal and those glorious Himalayan trekking trails, it's truly great to have you on board. For those of you that are still interested, may I suggest you visit the website of Global Immersion Travel? That's www.gitravel.com.au. Then ring my equally enthusiastic associate, Taylor Pierce, on 0419-195-953. That's 0419-195-953. Embrace the journey, dear people. Just embrace the journey and enjoy every minute of it. And just remember... Mm -hmm.